Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can come before you as we just did because of what you did on the cross, which we sang about. Thank you for the cross that just allows us to come near and to know you and to experience your love. Thank you that you choose each one of us and you grace each one of us with your love and with your light so that we may share it with others. And just as I, as I begin this evening, as we pray together, I'm just going to read from Isaiah 60 because I think it really backs up what Matt was saying and what we were singing. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be carried in the the arms. Then you will see and be radiant and your heart will thrill and rejoice. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for the light of your love your, uh, love and of your grace and of your power that shines upon all creation. Thank you for those of us here that you've called into your presence. Those of us here that you know and you know by name. You know our hearts, you know our passions, you know our desires, God. You know our deepest secrets. You know the motives of our hearts. Thank you, God, that you've come for us. And so shine your light upon us this evening, Father. I pray that in the spirit of what we would singing, we would continue. That you bless us with your presence this evening, continually, that we sense you with us, and that we would be equipped and empowered to shine the light of Christ through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Thanks. Here's Brad and the guys. Thank you again. Great time to worship. I'm enjoying having the chairs out of the way. It's a lot better use of this room. I'm convinced. Awesome. One of those practical little things that makes a big difference. It's funny, the one song that Brad brought to us this evening, spoke about that the city, you know, God in the city, and just seeing God move. And there's no doubt that Cape Town is one of the most strategic cities in the world at this, at this time. This afternoon I was listening to a message by a guy from... Seattle, Washington, who watches Grey's Anatomy? Hey, you know Seattle, Washington, because that's where Grey's is. And, and every time they do those flyby shots of the city, it's pretty awesome, man. Eh? You, know, you get to see what it looks like. But Seattle's quite a similar city to Cape Town in terms of the culture and like the whole like the cross-section of people and the things. You know, just kind of that quite... I wouldn't say that Cape Town's that cutting edge as Seattle, but Seattle is very cutting edge. I mean, a lot of the best bands that you guys have listened to for years come out of Seattle. And you're a cutting edge city, and he was talking about the importance of men of, of God raising up men of faith to impact cities. And we were just singing about that. And I really believe that with all my heart that God is raising up people from this church, from this community. I mean, how many of us are there here? <coughs> we're 50 one week and they're 100 the next. And from this small group of people to impact a city. And that's, that's really something that I believe God is doing in these days. And I pray that He would release. Those of you who call and who are on the cutting edge of culture and who work in the cutting edge of stuff in the city that God would sense using to impact the city. We sing about these things, but it's even better to experience them. Anyway, that's my ramble for this evening. That was for free. Now it's the, ch- the bit you pay for. <laughs> um, we're going to continue this evening kind of looking at community. He's cringing for me, I'm only on the first line. <laughs> not going to be long, don't worry. Um, 
We've been looking at community and we have been for ages now. And this evening, I really sense that God is wanting me to focus and stop and look at something which is my passion, which is something you've heard me speak about many times before. It's funny how God keeps on giving the same things to you over and over again. Anyway, one day I'll move on from these things, I'm sure. We're going to speak about experiencing God together in community tonight, the importance of experiencing God. It's something I'm passionate about, and I'm, I, it's something I believe God's passionate about, because He wants us to experience it. He wants us to know in a real, real way. As I was thinking about this message, I was running through my head and thinking, you know when you, when you put your CV together, when you come to the end of your studies or whatever, or later on when you've had some work, and you're putting your CV together for another job or whatever, there are two critical things usually in a CV. Obviously, there's the way you've been equipped, how you study, where you study, like your grades, all of that. So there's the knowledge you have, and then of course, there is the experience that you need. And you have references, people who reference you in terms of the work you've done and the experience you've gained in life and in your work. And, and for me, that's quite significant because Kind of one without the other doesn't work. I mean, students will know that sometimes some of you will walk out of university, excuse me, straight into jobs just because of the stream you're in, and that's just God's grace. Others of you will finish studying and go, what the hell am I supposed to do now? And you won't have a clue what to do. As you seek God and you hear from Him, then He'll open doors for you. But one of the first things that employers look for, obviously, is your knowledge and then the experience you have. And the more experience you have, the more better paid you will be. So you usually start at the bottom, and you work up, and you work up. And over the years, you obviously earn more and more as your experience is gained. And, and so for me, just like experience is important in terms of like our vocation, or our calling, or the practical kind of things that we do in life, obviously experiencing God is important. It's a journey that we need to go. In terms of our CV with God, in terms of the things that God's been doing in our lives, we need to have written on that CV, like our experiences with God and our experiences of Him, that bear witness and that are a testimony to others of who we are and what God has done with us. Doesn't that sound good? Isn't that a cool little idea? Okay, no, obviously not. Chelsea looks like she's about to cry. Um, <laughs> there's our community value again. We believe in creating space for community prays, confesses, learns, experiences, and worships God together in gratitude and hope. And so, in terms of the things I've spoken on over the last while, I've touched on the praying and worshipping, and tonight I'm touching on the experiencing, so it should be good. Let's get to scripture. If you've got Bibles, which most of you probably don't, then turn to this scripture right there. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5. And I'll read it. It says, this is Paul writing. Sean, a little bit more background and content in terms of who Paul was last week, so I'm not going to repeat it. But speaking to the um, Corinthian church, the church of Corinth, he says this, 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5. Paul says, I do not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's why it was very assuring for me and reassuring that we sang about the cross tonight. The cross has to be the focus of what we're about. Anyway, I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And so in these few verses, Paul writing, you can see maybe the word experience is not used there. 
but it's insinuated. You can see how Paul's insinuating that we need to be communities who are experiencing His love, His grace, and His power. We seek Christ, obviously, not the experience. Because in Christ, and ushering, like when He gets to that point, that individual point where you kneel before the cross, and you submit your life to Christ, and you say, Lord, what you've done on the cross was enough for me. From that place, you move into the more kind of manifest way, uh, manifest place of experiencing God's love and His grace and His power. And it's so important that, that we're a people who are about that. And so we seek Christ, but in seeking Christ, we seek the creator of the universe, we seek the Lord of Lords, we seek the King of Kings. And in seeking this person, obviously, if He's that big, when He touches you, when you sense Him, you're going to know it's been God. I can guarantee you that. And those of you who've experienced the touch of God and the outpouring of God upon your life will know that. There's nothing in you that doubts that God has just revealed Himself to you in those moments. And so like Paul said in these verses, we must be a community where it's not just about words, but where there's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. There has to be. There needs to be that experience. That's what Paul wanted, that's what Jesus wants, and that's what I want. It's one of the mantras of my life. I love it. I'll never back down on it. And I think it has to be at the center and the heart of all Christian community. It has to be, because otherwise it becomes all about the mind. Another scripture, 1 Thessalonians. Paul, again, writing to this um, community of Thessalonica, and he says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that God has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And you can see for Paul in the early community, and just for me as a leader now, anything, anything we say and do in Christian community must be done believing that God will back it up by His Spirit, that we're led by the Spirit, God confirms it by the Spirit, because then what happens? There's conviction. God convicts us of all unrighteousness, of worldliness, of sin. We come to the cross, we give it to Him, and we move forward in life. It's a wonderful, wonderful verse. And it's one of my favorite verses in all scripture. That we must be communities and we must be individuals who experience that power and who know God just outpoured in our lives, in our lives like that. It's absolutely what Paul wanted. So the gospel we see must be experienced. And it is the experience of God's Spirit that convicts us and moves us to, moves us to that place of giving our lives. One of the things that's hardest to do in our culture now, and particularly as people who preach and people who speak to more and more of you guys who are the postmodern generation again, whatever that means, um, if you were here a few weeks ago, you know what I'm referring to. Um, but one of the greatest challenges for us who, who speak to you guys, and particularly upcoming younger generations, is this whole thing of calling people to salvation in Christ, the conviction of the Spirit. Because, our, because most of what... Um, our culture says is that there's not one God, there's not one true God, there are many gods, and that it's fine. Jesus is just one of many ways. When Scripture clearly teaches that that's not the case, and that Jesus is the one and only true God, and it's at the throne of Jesus Christ, it's at the cross of Christ, that every person must bow and confess that He is God. And it's only for me, I believe, when we're seeing God working by His Spirit in our midst, that we all begin to see guys from the postmodern generations who are coming up, it's only then that we'll begin to see many people genuinely giving their lives to Christ. Because we're a generation 
do not convert by what people say or arguments, but by the experiences we have. And that's an awesome way for God to intervene in our midst. So there's that scripture. Then there's this one, a slightly different take, but Paul writing to the Ephesians again. Again, Paul writing. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, with hymns, and with spiritual songs. Um, and again, it's not clearly said there's nothing about experience said there, but it's insinuated that there's an experience that each of us need to have in terms of our relationship with Christ. And just like drinking wine is an experience, so there, there must be this experience of the Spirit of God. And so I've got a little um, prop here. I love my props. So this week, we're going to have a bottle of wine. There it is. And we're going to have our nice little glass. There it is. Can you see those things? And um, where's Hugh? Hugh, can you come and assist me, please? <laughs> Sorry, but I've never told you about this. I'm going to ask you to hold the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have enough hands. No, it's just not. Shut Generations, eh? <laughs> so what you have, what you have with wine, and like, is Peter Baker here this evening? Where's Peter? There's Peter. Like, Peter knows a lot more about wine than I do, and I've got a couple of friends who know a lot more about wine than I do. One of them used to work um, at Baiting for Vafting, and I used to have ch um, chats when I was working at the Sellers Home or at the hotel down the road in the sommelier, but wine drinking is a big business. It's not, not just about the money, but it's like, there's a huge culture related to wine drinking. <laughs> and you think about wine... There we are. So it's just like plonk. Okay, this is like 25, 30 around a bottle of wine. So there's really not much, not, not much good about this. Don't worry, my parents will be getting it back tomorrow. Because <laughs> I certainly don't drink dry white wine. Um, but there's something about, there is something about um, wine drinking and the culture around wine drinking that I think if you stop for a moment and you look at the scripture behind us, begins to make a bit of sense. It is interesting that that Paul refers to wine. Because there is something quite cultured about the drinking of wine in a sense. First of all, you've got these beautiful glasses that you can drink out of. And second of all, the thing about drinking wine is it's a sensory experience. One of the things about wine is it looks beautiful. I mean, this is white wine, so it doesn't look quite as beautiful as red wine. But some of the red or the rosés really are beautiful. And that's one of the things that when they make the wines, they will look at the colour of it. And then it will see, obviously, the different wines and the different combinations will have different colours. But so there's something that you see. Then there's obviously, you smell it. One of the first things that what good drinkers of wine will do is uh, smell it. It doesn't smell so great. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a dry wine. It's just a bit too dry for me. Um, but it's a sensory thing. Like You see it. You smell it. You obviously taste it as well. I'm not going to drink it now because I don't like it. Um, <laughs> but for those of you who like dry wine, dry white wines, you would. Um, but when it comes to experiencing God, it is interesting. It says, "Do not," as he says it, be, um, "Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to abortion. Instead, be filled with the Spirit." And it makes me think, like, it's a whole. In terms of being filled with the Spirit, you can draw the parallel. Because when it comes to the Holy Spirit and it comes to God, and it comes to Christ, the things that you see about God, 
the things that you hear about God. I like I love the sound of when you open a bottle of wine, it pops, and you pour it, bloop, 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 bloop. it just sounds so awesome. So there's something that you hear, like in the same way we hear from God. And in the same way we see God, we see the wine. You see the parallels there, it's a bit of a far-fetched metaphor, but it makes you think, like when it comes, when he says there, be filled with the Spirit, don't get drunk in wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Take that, take that analogy of drinking wine and of drinking, but not drinking too much, there is self-control. Um, and just think of the spirits and how we experience the spirits. And the spirit's supposed to be something that's multi-sensory. It's not just about our minds or our, you know, or about knowledge, but it's multi-sensory. The way we smell things and the way we hear things set off different emotions in us all the time. And it's the same way with God. God wants us to experience Him in that rich way. So there's my punt of white wine for the evening. So do you see what I'm getting at in terms of the experiencing the Spirit? Is it clear? Good. Because if it isn't, you're in trouble. You're going to be lost. Let me ask you a question. <coughs> what is the difference between knowledge and understanding? Okay, and how do you how do you learn to apply stuff? Exactly. By experience. So it's one of those like duh questions, but it's worth asking. Because knowledge plus experience <coughs> does equal understanding. And this is one of the critical things, and this is why I punt experience, is because the church is full of people who punt knowledge. You must know God. You must know about God. You must know the stuff, the stuff, the stuff. But what's the point of knowing all the stuff without the experience? Because as scripture said, if you just know stuff, it puffs up, and you're eventually going to explode, going, I can't apply this in any way, it's stupid, and you'll go find something that's more applicable like snowboarding. Okay. Um, but if you've got knowledge and experience, it becomes understandable, and you realize how God loves you, and you realize how you can apply your faith to life, and it has substance, and it has meaning. And for me, this is one of the big been one of the big things that I've learned in my walk of faith now, which is cheapest, nearly, nearly coming up for a decade. I've had a few different experiences that have played a significant role in my understanding of what God's wanting to do in my life. And in the same way that God's, I've had these experiences, I believe that God wants all of, each one of us, everyone here, to have different experiences with Him. The first one I had I think it was about 7 to 11 days after I'd come to faith. I gave my life sitting in a room by this side, sitting in a chair, and I just said, God, thank you. God brought me to the place of the cross. And I just sat down here, wherever I was, and I was like, God, I believe what you've done is real and it applies to me. Gave my life to Christ. And I walked out of the room feeling different. So there was an initial experience, but it was really the 11 days later when someone called me forward and said, I want to pray for you, for you to be filled with the Spirit, as the previous verse said that I really began to understand that there was a God who was alive, who was real, and He loved me. And so when I got that, got whacked by the Spirit, literally because like it brought the understanding that my word is a God who's a real, He's real, and He's alive. And I can entrust myself to Him. 
Obviously, at that stage, I knew hardly anything. I was not someone who went to Sunday school really when I was small. My experience of confirmation in Standard 7 was like trying to talk in front of the girls. It was like that kind of thing. You know, it wasn't really about learning about God at all. Um, and so for each one of us, we need to have that, combina that combination of knowledge and experience that brings understanding. So I had that first experience and it came to faith. But then I had another amazing experience. And excuse me for a moment for going out of my laptop here. But I want to show you a photo of this guy who, and his wife. Can you see that? I couldn't get it off the web, unfortunately. It's embedded, so you can't actually, I couldn't rip it off. Um, it's a cool thing about being able to connect to the web. But this guy, Simon, and his wife work in Burundi and have done for about 14 years now. And they've done, they're doing like, while they're going into Uganda, these guys are like 14 years ahead in terms of like similar kind of process. Sorry, we're going to get a long road. Um, but this guy came to speak. Do you know where the new Elfman Clinic is in Constantia? The new clinic that's serving the whole community. My dad woke me up one morning at about quarter to six, he knocked on the door, and he said, wake up, and take me to this meeting, and I was pretty upset, so anyway, I went. It was a Wednesday morning, and I heard this guy speak, and I sat there, and you know when you sit, and you hear someone speak, and it's like you don't see anyone else in the room? You just, you hear everything, like a pin drop, so clear, you just see his mouth going, like you see his face. And I just, I remember the whole time he was speaking, my heart was just beating, it was like, doof, doof, doof. And obviously I knew straight away that God was speaking to me. And so hearing this guy speak back in, yeah, it was, it was 2000, 2001, for me it was a real affirmation of my calling, first of all, to go into ministry full-time, but secondly to be able to go into cross-cultural mission, um, and into Africa in particular. And hearing this guy really prompted me to go into study at Cornerstone, and to study cross-cultural um, cross ministry, and to study the things I did. And so it was a very real and a vivid experience that I had, that brought understanding in terms of my calling in life, and in terms of where God was um, calling me to go, where I was headed. And so that's one of the practical ways in which God reveals himself to us. Like it's not always the outpouring of the Spirit necessarily that you will experience, but you'll experience God in kind of multidimensional kind of ways. And that's one of them. So there's that experience. And then the third experience was the experience that Lee and I had in Mozambique with his family. Was after hearing, initially hearing that guy speak, then going through all the preparation of studying, and I studied all about cross-cultural missions and about church planning and about church leadership, and I studied all the stuff, so it was all in my head. God opened an opportunity up for Lee and I to go to Mozambique for six months and to live with his family. And all of a sudden, all that stuff that I thought I knew, I didn't know any longer. The reality of the on-the-ground stuff was so different from anything I thought I knew beforehand. And that, again, is where knowledge and experience, the combination of the two, is so critical. This experience for Lee and I, as wonderful as it was, was damn hard. Very, very, very hard. I mean, I weigh 10 kilos more now than I, than I weighed then, just because of the reality of what we were eating and how hot it was. Which is one small way of how difficult it was. Um, and so the combination of knowledge and experience brings understanding in terms of how we relate to God and in terms of our calling in life. And it's absolutely critical that we each begin that journey more and more of experiencing God and of knowing His love in our life. If you think about it, um, experience without knowledge usually leads to frustration. I've seen a lot of people and I've seen a lot of amazing people in my time. I've kind of been around the block a few times. 
worked in factories here and there, worked at butlers, been all over the place. But in terms of my work experience, I did a lot of work in positions where I wasn't trained for it at all. I was like on the job learning, on the job experience that I got, and I didn't have any of the knowledge. And ultimately it led to one thing, which was frustration. Because I could only do the job so well up to a point. And then I realized that I didn't have the necessary skills in order to properly implement the job that the boss wanted. And so I could do a job well, but I just couldn't do it as well as I wanted to do it. And so that's where relying on experience is not enough. We need the knowledge. And that's why we can have the Spirit of God put out in our life, but we need the Word of God. We have to. We need the combination. Obviously, then the opposite of that is that knowledge without experience, again, in my experience, easily usually either leads to irrelevance or arrogance. There's obviously a lot more that it could be, but I've seen that definitely in my experience. But if you've got too much knowledge and you don't know how to apply it, you don't have that experience, that you're either going to be totally irrelevant or you're just going to come across as someone who knows, thinks they know it all, but who don't know it all, and you'll come across as arrogant. And so the best combination is obviously knowledge plus experience. gives us that wisdom and that understanding. Here's my little mass formula for the night. So I hope Gary, hope you got that for you. It's clear, right? That's a good one. Awesome. Now I want to stop for a moment and I want to look at a situation that occurred between the disciples and Jesus. That for them was a profound experience. And there were three disciples involved in the situation. Let's read about them. In Matthew 17, we see the situation where three of the disciples go with Jesus. Up the mountain. It says, after six, six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Must be pretty amazing. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Typical Peter. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, Peter being the practical one. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And for me, it's so interesting that in this situation of Jesus calling those three closest disciples of his with him to go up the mountain, that he didn't take them up the mountain and sit them down and open the Old Testament and give them a lesson and go through the whole Old Testament. I mean, they were hearing Jesus teaching all the time. They had plenty of teaching. He took them up the mountain, and what does he do? He opens heaven, and he's transfigured in their sight. And there's that supernatural experience of that ability to see Jesus for who he is, they see the resurrected Christ. They see the Christ in the glory of God. And Christ touches them. He touches them. It's so interesting that even as the transfigured one, he touches them. He comes to them. It's incredible. And in the same way, God wants to call each one of us to that place where we journey with him, we go up the mount, and he literally opens heaven. And he reveals who he is, the glorified Christ to us. And he will touch you. He will lean down he will touch you. He will touch you where you are. In the midst of your hurts and your pain and in your need. He will touch you right there. It's incredible, isn't it? 
Okay? It's incredible. I mean, it's one of those portions of scripture that you can just brush over and go like, ah, whatever. But it's just phenomenal when you take a moment to think about it. And that is what we need. Like, if we're going to be a people who impact a city, if we're going to be people who impact a nation, and particularly in the context of what's occurring in our nation at this time, we need the knowledge, we need to know Christ, but we need this experience. We need to know Christ in a personal, real way of journeying with Him and of Him revealing Himself to us. And then lastly, I just want to refer to the scripture. In 2 Peter, now Peter writing, Peter said this, that Christ's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of Him, He called us by His own glory and goodness. One of the things I wanted to say about us experiencing Christ is that with experience comes responsibility. If, you, if, you, if God has really touched you, if God has really done something in your, in your heart, in terms of like when Peter speaks about knowledge here, he's not talking about intellectual knowledge, he's talking about experiential knowledge. So when you've experienced Christ in, that, in, in a certain way, he's done something in your life, you then have responsibility to walk with what God has given you, what he's done with you. You know, it comes into your life. He touches you, he does something. Then the responsibility is yours to steward that and to walk onwards with it. And what we are brilliant at doing in the church is particularly when people first come to faith and they experience Christ and we say, it's great. God, God just, he graciously deals with sinners week in and week in, week in and week out, year in and year out. And I sometimes feel like we leave this little door open for guys to kind of say, like, guys, you can do whatever you want, really. But you can always come, to back, come back to God and experience His love and His grace. You can come back and experience Him because He'll always be there for you. When the scripture here seems to be saying, His divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. That we are empowered to actually live godly lives. That He takes us from where we, where we are living a sinful life to being empowered to live a godly life. And as much as that's true, as much as basically... I mean, no matter what goes in our lives, if you come to that, back to that place where you've been far from God and you want to come to Him and you want to give Him that stuff, He will always take us. Because He isn't like us. He's gracious. He's almighty. And His love covers all. But if you want to push on, if you want to know God in a deeper way, if we want to be a community who move on further and further instead of dealing with the same thing over and over again, then you need to take a verse like this to heart and believe that as God touches you, he changes you, and He gives you the ability to live life in a different way. Right? He empowers us for godliness. And so more and more, as you come to know and to experience the Spirit, you'll sense the Spirit releasing you from strongholds that you're struggling with into the freedom of what God wants for you. From struggling with sin, you'll also have a passion for purity. From struggling with anger, you'll also have a passion to be saved. The calmest, most peaceful person in the world. From struggling with whatever, the Spirit will give you what you need to demonstrate Christ's love in this world. Because that's what the Spirit does. Right? Right? Right. And so that's just an encouragement. Because we so often, there was a few weeks ago, we had a wonderful time of worship. And I could see the number of people, a whole lot, were really interacting with God. And the real sense I had like God was saying to me, was that it's kind of like a prodigal son time that there were people who were coming back to God during that time. 
And the thing that we do that we specialize as church is that we do. We come to church on a Sunday night. We maybe once every two to three months experience God in a really genuine way. The rest of the time we just come and attend, sort of. And then you live your life, week in and week out, until you get that touch. But you all you keep we keep on cycling back to that same place and cycling back to that same place. You don't circle it. And God wants to like do a do away with that. No, He wants us to progress onwards and upwards with Him. If we believe that we are empowered for life and for godliness by the Spirit. And that's why I'm also so big on the Spirit. Is because knowledge can only help us so much. Then we have to have that experiential knowledge because it will activate things in us that we didn't even realize were there. Gifting will spring forth, all of a sudden you'll become the most fantastic artist of the night. Because all of a sudden all the stuff, like the stuff you've had passion for for years will make sense. Those sorts of things will begin to occur in your life. We all need the activation of God's Spirit. And so for me, the experience of God's Spirit in community is as important as, as anything else we do. And the only thing I'm, the only thing that I'm sad about is that we don't kind of take time out to experience God more often. We tend to only leave it for services, and then only occasionally in services, if we kind of have time, if we think we want to offend so many people, you know, that kind of thing. For me, that's sad. It's so sad. I think the Christian community should be focused and passionate about these sorts of things, about experiencing God and pushing them, and knowing Him and experiencing Him in a real way, consistently. Week in and week out to experience Him, not week in and week out to go, I'm so bored, why did I choose to follow this God? Christianity is not boring if you get touched by the Spirit of God. It's not. It's incredible. And so tonight, with what's kind of um, what I've spoken about, that's all I have to say. It's just a few different things that I threw together. It wasn't meant to be some overly concise message. But that's kind of what I thought God was saying, is that we need to get this balance between knowledge and experience in our community. I believe that people in this room who are so experience-focused that you're never going to be able to move on. You're going to constantly be frustrated because you're not understanding the bigger things of God's Word. You need that knowledge. But then the people here, you've heard sermons year in and year out, and you've moved like two paces. And what you need is to continue to seek God and His Word in whatever way you seek Him but to experience Him as well, and to see Him move you on. That's my job, is to see God release you guys in your walk. That is a, such a rare job. So tonight, that's what we're going to do. What we're going to do is sing a couple of songs. All right, right? We'll sing a couple of songs, I think, just to get back to that place of worship. And then from that place of worship, I would really like to pray for everyone tonight. Some of you will want to run out the door, because you don't like being prayed for. Rather do it when I'm not looking, otherwise I might run after you and fetch you. Um, but really, it's just, I've, in a sense, it's just a service I want to offer tonight. I'd love to pray for all of you and just to lay hands upon you for God to touch you. Because I think all of us are in need of the experiential touch of God. Right? Right. Sweet. Thank you for your time. You'll thank me for mine. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, right?